0: There's so many good songs. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. It makes him feel very happy because you're communicating with him and he's able to help you. I worship God by singing songs in Kid City. You just don't have to be in church. You can do it anywhere. When I help others, I think God is proud, and that's how you worship. I of Jesus. Worship is basically a fun way of praising God, which helps you refresh
1: and refocus. Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning, and I just want to say a special hello this morning to everybody that's online with us. I appreciate you being here uh, with us and making this a priority for your uh, for your week, you know, one of our goals here at Oakwood, we talked about it in our staff meeting this week, is we want to make this the best hour of the week—the hour that you don't want to miss, the hour where you feel uplifted, the hour where you draw close into the presence of Almighty God—and and, and uh, we're just praying that that happens for you every week as the uh, church continues to regather um, after so much uh, so much time where we were just online. And so, uh, for those in the room and for those online, thank you for making a priority uh, this morning. Uh, we, as we begin this series, I uh, just want to kind of share the heart of it is that we are going to focus over the next several weeks on how we can recalibrate our lives. If you have felt like life in 2020 has thrown you for a curve, got you off base, you feel like you're just kind of meandering, uh, this is hopefully something that will recenter and refocus your life as we get into this together. Now, there's a wonderful invention that, that came out about 20 years ago years ago, called GPS, Global positioning systems were actually in place with the military long before they were offered to us as consumers. But uh, now, when we say GPS, it doesn't mean a coordinate system to us. It means what? Directions, right? It means directions, right? And there's two kinds of people in the world there's those that trust their GPS. 100% 100% and you plug it in your phone and you say, take me here, and it gives you turn-by-turn directions and you go and it gets you there and it's great. And then there's another kind of people that think they know more than the GPS. So just, we're, we're in church this morning, okay? So let's be honest, all right? How many of you are 100% GPSers? You love GPS, use it all the time, trust it, say plug it in. Okay, a few. How many of you are think you're smarter than GPS, you know a little bit more and you have to kind of guide it? Okay. Maybe a few more hands there. Well. The thing about GPS that's uh, really, really uh, fascinating if you think about it is that you can make adjustments with it, right? It, it is, if you go the wrong way, it'll tell you to turn around sometimes. And I think the best way to illustrate these two types of people is uh, this video clip. So uh, watch Michael Scott uh, and, and Mr. Schrute as they uh, go through this together.
0: Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club other side of the lake on the southeast side i don't get it i really don't get it i thought this would work through everything i had at that guy nothing that's how it goes sometimes you know you lose everything and everything falls apart and eventually you die and no one remembers you that is a very good point to make a right turn wait 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 wait! no 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 no! it means bear right not there it said right it said take a right no 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 look it, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that! There's Look, a lake right there! I think knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine this knows. Is the lake. Stop yelling at me! No, it's up there! There's no room here! Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window! Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Look out for a late turn! Michael! Are you okay? Swim for it! I got you! I got you! Michael! Michael! Let go Ah, uh, Let go of it!
1: That's the way it works sometimes, isn't it? Right? Sometimes you got to give a little guidance to your your GPS. You know, before there was GPS, there was actually something else that we used, and and you may know what that is. It's called a compass. Uh, Do do you remember a compass? Uh, Maybe some of you that were in Boy Scouts, or maybe you've done a lot of camping or trail hiking or been in the mountains in your life, Uh, this used to be the original GPS, Right? If you couldn't get your bearings then you would get out your compass and uh, compasses were used for so many years now compasses uh, really originated 200 BC when some people uh, figured out there's this magnetic field on the earth and that there's a pole to the north and the south poles and, and they figured out how to make this device and so you would always know which direction you were going. You could just have the compass there. This was especially useful at sea. Now, if you're at sea, uh, one of the biggest fears of being on the water, and I I don't care if you're on a lake because I've had it happen to me on a lake, um, or if you're in the Gulf of Mexico, or if you're in the ocean, is getting lost while you're at sea. That's like just, I think, a primal fear of of everyone is, what if, you know, I should get lost? How many of you ever experienced that? You've been on a boat or something, you kind of lose your bearings? Okay, you know that feeling, you know, uh, that's deep down inside because you feel like, well, this is, you know, this is one of those situations where this could get really bad really quick because I have no idea where the shore is. I thought I was going this way and this way. And so a compass sometimes would be really helpful if you knew which direction the dock was or, or where you put in your boat. Now, this has been uh, such, a, such a big theme uh, that there's like, been lots of, of shows and Hollywood movies made about this. Uh, may, maybe some of you uh, remember some of these. The first one is uh, "Castaway." Do you remember Castaway with uh, Tom Hanks? You know, it's that story, right? You know, kind of get lost at sea. Um, the, another one was The Perfect Storm. If you remember that? They lose their bearings. They're trying to get back, and then they run into this storm. And then there's this other one that's real serious, uh, Gilligan's Island. You remember Gilligan's? Yeah, Gilligan's Island. The thing is, is that we can get off center, and, and we get to a point in our lives where we need to, to recalibrate. We need to get centered on Jesus Christ. We need to get back to where our focus is on the Lord and and, and that we know the direction toward Him. That, That we know that we don't want to go to the left. We know we don't want to veer to the right. We know that we want to go His direction. And one of the ways that we can do that is through worshiping Him. Now, there's a lot of preconceived notions about worship. There's so many people that think worship is a, is a certain this or a certain that. There's, there's some people that think worship is uh, singing songs, right? And it's certain songs, right? It's not all songs. I mean you're not doing you know, you know some secular music. you know it's it's this holy uh, music and and, and, it, and it's reverent or maybe it's celebratory. And so some people think when they think worship, they think songs. They think it''s it's, it's just singing. Then there's there's other people that, that think about worship. they think worship is just for super spiritual people. Like, if you're super spiritual and you're one of those people that just have this rich fullness with your relationship with your Savior and, and you pray all the time and, and so you're one of those people that, that that's for super spiritual people, you know? It, it's like a Jesus follower on, on on steroids or something. You know, that's that's worship. that's It's just for those people. It's not for me. I feel so normal and average and regular and I have faith uh, and, and I have a relationship with God but it, it never really spawns me to want to to, to, to worship Him and so... There's some people that that think that way about it. And there's another uh, set of people that think that worship is just for a certain time in a certain place. It's like a scheduled thing. Like when you guys thought of worship, you thought of the church service this morning. We call it a worship service, and so that's what worship is. It's when you come to the church, it's set at a certain, certain time, it's set at a certain place, and that is worship, and that's the only time you do it, that's the only time you can do it, is in the church, inside the four walls, you know, uh, and, and everybody comes together, and we lift our voices to the Lord, and, and a lot of people think that is worship, but worship is actually so much more than that. If you have your Bibles this morning, or if you want to follow along in our app, it has all the notes there for you. Uh, turn to John chapter four. John chapter four. We're going to begin with verse nineteen this morning, because as much as we may struggle with defining, you know what what is the definition of worship, and 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 how does this recenter, refocus, recalibrate our lives on the Lord? Uh, this is not something that's just for today. This isn't something like, hey, only people today, only Americans, and. And, you know, the 21st century struggle with this. This is something that people have been struggling with for a long time. Now, let me set up our, our verses that we're going to read today in John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus and his disciples have been traveling, and, and uh, Jesus comes to a well. It's known as Jacob's well. And you can read about this in the, in the verses uh, before our passage this morning, John chapter 4. He encounters there a Samaritan woman. Now, not going deep into it, but Samaritans and Jews were at odds. They, they, they didn't really like each other. The Jews saw Samaritans as kind of half-bred Jews. Samaritans had had some traditions and things that didn't agree with Judaism. And so they were just at odds with each other. And, and, and what had happened is Jesus came to this well with this woman, the Samaritan woman, and asked her, can you give me some water? And, and she's like, hey, I'm a Samaritan. Are you really going to want me to get you some water out of this well? I mean, that's the initial reaction. And then Jesus says, hey, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water, and then you would never thirst again. And it starts this conversation between uh, the two of them about, their, uh, about her religious beliefs and about who Jesus is. And then we get down to verse 19, and Jesus has just spoken to her in a way only the Son of God could. She. She had said, uh, made a comment, and Jesus had said, "You know, the person that you're living with is not your husband. In fact, you've had all these other husbands." And this she she comes back at him here in verse nineteen and says this. She says, "Oh, I can see that you're a prophet because you know all these things about me that you can't know, unless you have some spiritual, powerful God." Here's where we pick up the conversation, and here's where the, the where the inquiry about worship is. In verse nineteen, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, "Sir." The woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But the Jews claimed that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Let's stop there for a second. Just a little more background here: is The Samaritans believed that you were to worship on a, on a mountain called Gerizim. It was about 50 miles to the north of Jerusalem. And it had long been their tradition that that's where you worship. And so if you wanted to worship God, you would go to Mount uh, and, and the jews believe hey the place to worship is, is you know the holy temple uh, is to come to to jerusalem and, and so you will come to jerusalem to worship and so here again just between the two types of people groups there's there's this conflict conflict here and notice what she's asking in verse 20 about worshiping god what were she asking she says our ancestors worshiped on this mountain but you jews claim the place where we must worship is in jerusalem you see she's asking where 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 do i worship when do i worship where do i worship those are the things that matter right it's the it's the when and the where oh, i want to be proper here and then look at jesus's response to her in verse 21 because jesus completely recalibrates this conversation and he turns it from where to how listen to what he says woman jesus replied believe me a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. What is Jesus saying there? The location doesn't matter. It, it, it's not about the mountain. It's not about Jerusalem. The time is coming when you, that's not going to matter at all. In verse 22, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And Jesus is again Pointing out here, he's, the, he's not only just a prophet of God, he's the Son of God. He knows all of these things. And he says, You worship what you don't know. We worship who we know because salvation comes from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come, Jesus says, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And notice that Spirit that's in there in verse 23 and verse 24 is a capital S. It's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to be worshiping in sync, in line, calibrated with the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Well, what if I show up at 9 o'clock service, the early one? Where all the where, where all the really super spiritual go people go at my church, and we show up to the nine o'clock and we worship there, spirit and in truth. Well, what if I sing all the words to the songs, and you know sometimes I just don't mean well, I don't even understand what I'm singing, but you know I mouth the words, I'm a good participant in spirit and in truth. But what if I'm distracted? What if I come in and I'm not really focused on the Lord? I mean I'm just checking. The weekly box, hey, I went to church, it feels good to me, it looks good, and Jesus would say, in spirit and in truth. And that's what I'll unpack with you today. What, what, what does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth, where the location is no longer the primary concern, nor maybe even, I, I should say, the aesthetics of the room, but the heart of the person Focus totally on God, is really what matters and probably is only what matters. It's not even about the clothes you wear, the place you are. You can worship God all the time. And this life that is calibrated on the Lord, this life that is lined and aligned in His direction, is a person who worships God in spirit and in truth. One of the things that we talk about here um, at Oakwood is the three C's of Oakwood. If you go to Discover Oakwood, if you go to our Commitment 101 class, if you're a member here, you've heard that. We do sermon series on it a um, couple times a year. We, we talk about it in church. And, and what that means, and there's a graphic here to, to kind of illustrate it for you, is to celebrate, connect, and contribute. Celebrate, connect, and contribute. Look at the word celebrate. Celebrate is talking about our relationship with God. It's the arrows, it's the arrows going vertical. It's we are worshiping the Lord. We're communicating with Him. He is also pouring all of His blessings. He's bringing us His Word. He's we we come and celebrate and we talk. Call that you know worship services Sunday mornings. You know is a time where we celebrate the Lord. We come together. We celebrate baptisms and we proclaim the Word and we pray and we we focus on the Lord. We take Holy Communion together. And so we celebrate, and then the next one is to connect, that we connect with one another in spiritual community, like a family, like they did in the book of Acts, and throughout the rest of the New Testament, as we come together, and we uh, do it as it says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, and we practice all the biblical one another's when we come together to connect. We, 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 we practice, you know, to love one another and serve one another and pray for one another and admonish one another and all all of those 26 one another commands from the New Testament we put into practice when we connect. And, and then the third one is to contribute, to contribute, and, and that's the arrows that are going out, is that we're actually going out to the world, we're going to go serve, we're going to give, give our time, talent, resources, our witness, our testimony, we're going to give all of those things to the Lord to use in ministry, and so we celebrate We connect, and we contribute. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, which one of those is worship, I would venture that most of us would say, celebrate, right? It makes sense. It it, it includes the worship service Sunday morning. It's when we sing, when we proclaim, and we praise the Lord, and we see the work he's done, and we we get to witness uh, decisions and and baptisms and and prayer, and, and it's when the assembly of the saints comes together, and yes, absolutely, celebrate is worship. I'd like to also maybe open your mind a little bit. When you connect with other Christians and you, you have Christian community and you grow and you edify, do you think that's worshiping God? Do you think that you connecting with a Christian brother or sister in a time of need and you, you grabbing them by the hand, maybe pre-coronavirus, but um, you, you can sanitize. Uh, you grab them by the hand you have prayer with them in their time of need. That, that you would be there to support one another and love one another and encourage one another. Do you think that's worship to God? Absolutely. And, and what about the last one? What, what about when you celebrate, you connect, and you contribute? When you, you go out and you serve the world and, and, and you love those that are maybe unlovely and you, you invite people to come and be a part of God's family? When you, when you use your, your witness and your testimony for the Lord, when you use your, your time for the Lord to, to serve Him in different ministries and different opportunities, when you use your tithe and, and you use those funds to give to the work of the Lord and the mission of His church, do you think that's worship? Could, could those times be worship? Absolutely. All of it is worship. Because here's the truth this morning. Worship is giving your whole self to God. Simply put, worship is giving your whole self to God. Now, that sounds really simple, but don't miss whole self to God. What would Jesus say to you? Worshipper, spirit, and in truth. Your whole self given over to God. I always like to say it this way, that your mind's attention and that your heart's affection would be focused totally on the Lord. That your mind's attention and your heart's affection would be totally focused on the Lord. Because that's what he desires. Look back at our text, verse 23. He says, true worshipers, halfway through 23, he says, true worshipers. And, and, and when Jesus is saying this, he, he's calling us out. He's calling, he's calling the Samaritan woman out. He's calling uh, the disciples out. He's calling everyone that would follow him and, and call him Savior and Lord and Master. He's saying, hey, true worshipers. The real ones. The ones that the Father God in heaven will look down and say, that is a worshiper of mine. True worshipers will worship the Father in sync with the Holy Spirit and in truth. Because this is the type of worshiper that the Father seeks. He's looking for this type of person. that would give their whole selves, their minds full of attention, their hearts full of se- Full affection in line with the holy spirit speaking singing and proclaiming the truth of god those are the type of worshipers that the father seeks and so worship is giving your whole life your whole self to god the second thing this morning is that true worship is an inner reality true worship is an inner reality what what did she ask up there in verse 20 where where must we worship our ancestors worshiped here, here on, on Gerizim on the mountain. And you Jews say we should worship down in Jerusalem. Where? And Jesus turns it around and says, it's an inner reality. It's not about where. It's about you being focused on the Lord, giving your whole self to him. It's this inner reality. And he says, in the spirit. When he says in the spirit, Jesus is saying that when we worship truly, when we worship truly, that our spirit recalibrates to his spirit. We find ourselves when we are praising the Lord, when we are worshiping him in spirit and in truth, we find we're moving his direction more. It's just a natural tendency that we that we would be more focused and, and more attentive to the things that he wants, and that he be continuing to draw us in. We find that we are in alignment, we are moving God's direction. It's part of this inner reality in the spirit but then he also says in truth he says in the spirit capitalist and then in truth and in truth worship not only engages and fills our hearts that's that's what we focus on so many times in worship is just about the heart no it also engages our minds you think about what you sing i don't know if you caught it earlier but one of the songs we sang earlier had a line in it said you do you want to come drink from the well That song and that part of that verse was actually talking about John chapter 4, which is what we're studying today, the woman at the well. Do you come to Jesus to drink from the well, to drink from what he calls himself earlier in this chapter, the living water? Because if you go after the living water, then you will thirst no more. Why? Because God satisfies us. He quenches us. We just have to focus our lives and ourselves on him. This true worship is this, this inner reality. There's a great worship leader and songwriter by the name of Matt Redman. If you uh, follow worship uh, music and songs at all, you probably are familiar with this guy. Uh, uh, he wrote uh, his first like, like big worship song was Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Uh, you, you might remember that song uh, from the 90s, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Uh, he wrote the song 10,000 Reasons. Uh, you probably have sang that song and noticed that song in worship, but Matt Redmond went through a time in his ministry. He's a worship leader that's actually uh, from England, and, and, and working in his church over in England, he, he got to this point where it was all about the where and the when. It was all about uh, the aesthetics of worship and, and times and, and, and production and how good it sounded, and he said, I just want to get back to the heart of worship, and he wrote this song called Heart of Worship. How many ever heard of Heart of Worship? Do you remember that song? Part of worship became an anthem for the church back in the 90s uh, we, we sang it very very often here It was a great song and a great cry to what worship is really to be all about i want you to listen to part of this song
0: search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into
1: Those lyrics are powerful, and I think it really captures the heart of the inner reality of the worshiper. You're much more in alignment with God when you get back to the heart of worship, where it's just all about Jesus, and you center your life, you align your will, and you focus your mind's attention, your heart's affection on him. That's the inner reality. But there's something more, too. A true worshiper is a, a, a true, in true worship, there is an outer expression. So, so in true worship, there's an inner reality, but there's also this outer expression. You know, true, true worship isn't just something that happens here. It's not something that just happens in our mind or, or in our heart. It, it is also something that happens out there. It happens out there when you hit the doors after the service on Sunday morning and you go throughout your life and you go throughout your world you have the opportunity to be a worshiper of God every day. If you think of people that you would say, man, that person is really a worshiper of God, one common thread that you'll find is they are focused on the Lord often. It's not just a Sunday morning. It's not just a, a check in the box. It's not just a have to. It's not just a list of to-dos. It's actually something they live out every day. And they live it out in their car. And they're going to live it out in their workplace. They're going to live it out on the ball field. And it doesn't matter. As they go throughout their life, even in their hobbies, they're constantly focused on the Lord. And there's this outward expression as we serve other people, as we love other people, as we Go out to the world. And and people see the light of Jesus in us. The city on the hill, the lamp on a stand. When Jesus said to us in, in, in in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds out there. And what does it say then? It says, and praise your Father in heaven, that you might actually be a catalyst from being a worshiper in life out there, that you might help someone else find their way back to God. You recalibrate yourself so that you can go out and help others find their way to God. It's true worship. And through doing this, we we recalibrate our hearts. We recalibrate our minds and our whole lives to the Almighty God. That sounds really easy, right? I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, I got it. I, I I need to focus more on the Lord. I need to make Him first. Best, most priority in my life. I mean, I get that. And I get that in this 2020 season with, you know, some people are really, you know, fearful about the election coming up and, and we've got coronavirus still, still with us. And what does that mean? And, and there's all these things being thrown at us. And yet we still need to just focus on the Lord. But the problem is, if we're all honest this morning, is that we drift. We have this tendency to drift. It's, it's in some of our hymns that we sing. It talks about how we have this tendency to, to drift. And sometimes it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and I was like, what if you just got one degree off? What if you're, you're wanting to run to God, but you're distracted by something in the world, uh, something happens, or, or you're just not totally focused on Him, and you find yourself maybe worshiping some idols in the world, and you just get one degree off? Well, if you go one degree off on just 12 inches on a foot, then when you get to the end of that foot, you're only .2, you're, you're two-tenths of an inch off, not much. In fact, it's really hard to notice that you're not straight there. Now, if you want the length of a, of a football field, like you you went 100 yards, one degree off means that you're about five foot off. And probably if you look down 100 yards, you're like, oh, I think we're a little bit to the to, a little, to the right there, you know, you, you could see that. If you, if you start packing up the miles, you figure out you're going to be way off. Like, like what if you were traveling from, let's say, Los Angeles, California, to Washington, D.C. And as you're traveling there, you're just one degree off to the north. Well, the problem is when you're going to D.C. from L.A., you end up north of Baltimore, Maryland. You missed it. But if you're going somewhere like to the moon, and you're one degree off, then you end up being 4,200 miles off course. And you think about that, and you say, just one degree, one degree off can, over time, lead you so far away. And you talk about being able to recalibrate and recenter, it's easier at a foot or at the 100-yard mark, it's really hard at the cross the country or to the moon mark because that one degree makes such a big difference. Now, if you think about people that are Christians, that they're brothers and sisters in Christ, they've been with you for years, and you now look back and say, hey, about 20 years ago, I saw them begin this drift. Uh, You know, they were walking with the Lord. They were they were even serving in ministry. I, I know they were, they were giving to the Lord's work at, their time, at that time. And, and yet today I look, I'm like, gosh, they're so far out there now. Guess what? Most of the time it's not because they just went off a 90-degree turn ahead. No. It started with one degree. One degree off. So we close our time this morning. I want to challenge you to think what about if you just gave one degree more to God what if you were to realign and recalibrate your life and 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 you know that man maybe you've been drifting and you're like yeah I'm not where I was five years ago I'm not where I was ten years ago or maybe for some of you I'm not where I was five months ago I've been struggling in my faith I've been I've been I've been just just my mind's attention is on the the cares of this world And it's amazing because there's a song that talks about that the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. What if you made it a priority? That, hey, starting right now today, I'm going to focus on the Lord. I'm going to give him my whole self. I'm going to trust him 100%. I'm going to be the worshiper that he wants me to be. And then I'm going to do my best to move one degree back to alignment with him. And I wonder this morning, if you were really serious about this, what would life look like one degree closer to God? How would your marriage be one degree closer to God? I wonder what your economic situation might be if you'd honor God one degree closer to God. I wonder how you'd feel about the outlook of life. Maybe you just feel like, man, this, these, these things going on in the world, the violence and the, the corruption in, in government, and then we have an election coming, and we have all of these things that can distract us, and we find ourselves on Fox News or CNN or ABC News more than we find ourselves in the Bible. What if we were one degree closer to God? What if we spent one degree more of our time centered on His Word and in prayer and worshiping Him? A wonder. I just wonder if we would allow him to be true north when we hold up our compasses and it points to god we would just move his direction in every area of our life how would your life be different how would your family be different and even more than that church how would someone else's life be different because of your decision to go one degree God, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you for the grace of Jesus. The promise of Scripture is the grace of Jesus covers all of our sins. And, Lord, we are so thankful for that. Lord, many of us this morning, we feel it. One degree. That's all we were off. Just didn't focus. There's just that one part of our life that we just couldn't bring under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, God, we've struggled with it, and now we find ourselves months For some of us, years later, wow, how far have I drifted from the truth? How far have I drifted from the will of God? And yet, Lord, we know we can make a decision right now. It's called repentance. We refocus our mind's attention, our heart's affection on you. We give our whole self to you, all of it, Lord. We become a true worshiper, and you call us from the heart, from inside. You want to create this inner reality. You want to create this outer reality in our lives? And we would be focused on you, centered our life on you. God, it's only possible because of what Jesus did for us. So, God, we glorify you. As we sing the song this morning, God, we just glorify your name. We worship you as Jesus asks us in spirit and in truth from the heart. God, that we'd be just drawn into your presence, that we could feel your forgiveness. And God, that we make a choice to go your way. Lord, do this work, continue to do this work in our hearts, not only now, but this week as we go out. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.